Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello out there. Yes, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to None But the Brave, a part of Evergreen Podcast. I am Hal Schwartz, and... As always, I'm here with my great friend, Flynn McLean. So, Flynn, we got a little music in together. We were both at sea here now last weekend. Very exciting. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it's still kind of surreal to see that many people in one place at one time, at least for me, uh, since before the pandemic. And a uh, little, little uneasy here and there, but uh, the music was great. Really enjoyed Patti Smith. Really enjoyed, enjoyed Pearl Jam. And uh, shout out to Stan Goldstein for uh, for hooking us up with uh, Little Bride. Oh, well, yes, that was very cool of Stan. Thank you, Stan. Yeah, it was weird being on the beach, 35,000 people strong. I got to say, once the show started, I, I felt totally into it. I didn't have quite the nervousness that you guys did. And it was the first Pearl Jam performance in three <laughs> years since Boston 2018, it was really, really great to see, and and now we're going to have some more Pearl Jam performances out here on the West Coast this week as they play outdoors at Ed's Traditional Festival at Doheny State Beach. All right, well, I hope you have fun at those, and uh, in the meantime, we have some no nukes to discuss. Yes, and this is, it's an interesting announcement. I think it's exciting. It's going to represent the best footage, I think, of the E Street Band in their prime. It's sourced from 16 millimeter film. And as Bruce addressed in Rolling Stone yesterday, they do not have a lot of footage of the E Street Band on film. Now, for those people who don't know, basically film, if you have the negative or other elements that would yield that kind of resolution, it can be transferred and that's why they have an HD image of no nukes. And had it been 35 millimeter, they could have had a 4K image, which would have been mind blowing. But it is 16 millimeter. It's still going to look amazing. Oh, yes, it is. And it's and I think it's going to sound amazing. Obviously, both of those shows were released by Nugs a couple of years ago, but uh, they've taken them, taken the original multitracks and Bob Clear Mountain, the, the master, <laughs> the best mixer who's ever done Bruce Springsteen. As uh has done his thing, and it's gonna just it's gonna pop out of the speakers in a way that the Nugs releases just didn't. You know, no offense to John Altshuler. <laughs> One of the things I'm curious to see is Ray Vaughn is on the track list. Correct me if I'm wrong. On the Nugs release, wasn't that sourced from a soundboard and not the multi tracks? I believe it was. Yes. So, so I I guess maybe they found the multi tracks. I, I can't believe that this would be sourced from the soundboard and mixed by Clear Mountain, especially since they combined the two nights and and they could have chosen other material. I forget what was what were the choices from the second night. Well, the only difference on the second night was uh, was quarter to three, which was on the first night that slot was Detroit Manley and Ray Vaughn, and so you got uh, you got the three encore songs going to be together in in, in one set. Right. Okay. So they're mixing all those together because, of course, they're taking the best of the two shows. Yes, or at least the best recording they have of, of the two shows. It's, and that's, I think, a nice compact, uh, comp, almost like a compilation. There, I'm really I think it's going to be nice, tight, and polite to be to be blunt about it. 
One of the things that <laughs> I'm not sure how they're going to address, and, and it happens in the trailer they released yesterday, which did look great, but he was wearing totally different clothes both nights. So is it just going to go back and forth and they're going to be wearing different clothes? It, it's very weird from a continuity standpoint, but let's see how they handle it. As I said a few minutes ago, it's going to represent the best footage that they have of the band in their prime. The Hammersmith was sourced on film. Otherwise, I don't think that there's too much that was sourced on film, right? Uh, the 78 Houston, of course, is low-grade video. Yes. What well, Tempe is video as well, right? Yes, uh, Tempe was shot, was shot on video. Um, and so unless there's something out there we don't know about, this is this is going to be the highest quality Bruce Springsteen and Eastry Band concert performance recording, video recording, visual <laughs> that we're ever going to see. Well, at least from the classic era, of course, in the reunion era, they did shoot HD. Western Stars is 4K, so th that's a totally different story. But yes, from the classic era, uh, Bruce did address this, as I said, in the Rolling Stone piece. He was against shooting film, and it's just... We're not ones to normally criticize Bruce here, but that unfortunately was a major mistake. Now he admits it's a major mistake yes, in 2021, but not to have film and to have everything sourced. One of the shocking things is, and I had researched this a few years ago, as you know, and, and I had concluded the Born in the USA tour, they also did not shoot film. Now he confirmed that yesterday. This is really sad news that the only available footage from the Born in the USA tour is going to be 1980s video which is much lower grade than if they had film negative, but it is what it is. Uh, as we say with many of the other things, you can't go back in time. Uh, you know, maybe if we had a nice DeLorean, but we don't. <laughs> no, we do not. Uh, he re he regrets it, and I think he's they've made a good conscious effort in the last 20 years to, to film a lot more. Uh, maybe not as much as we would like, but certainly considerably more than what they did 75 through 85. I just hope that they don't let the lack of film prevent them from releasing something from 84 and 85 in, in a visual medium oh i it, think they're definitely going to we know that and you know you keep saying that i how do you know that whatever they have from 84 and 85 and we know they have tons of video footage from 1985 why would they release the houston 78 bootleg cut which i and i'm using this term loosely but in terms of video quality quite frankly it's garbage <laughs> Well, that's why they call it a, call it a bootleg cut. Right. You know? So, I mean, if you release that, why wouldn't you release the Born in the USA stuff? I'm guessing that the 84-85 material is at least stored on a proper format. Now, I, I don't know where they dug Houston up. It reads to me as it could have even been VHS. What do you think? It could have been VHS. It wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. The one thing about we're going to get here with the no nukes is this is going to do the E Street Band justice. Mm -hmm. When you're able to go back to the film negative, it's just... It, it should be spectacular. The trailer looks really good, and I'm excited to see it in a month. Yes, it's, oh, it's, it's going to be great to see. And I uh, <laughs> should admit this, but I'm not, my attention span for videos is, is pretty short. Uh, so I'm, I'm expecting to really be able to sit down and enjoy this, this 90 minute film in its entirety in one sitting uh, in a way that I really haven't done with literally any other of Bruce's video releases. Yeah, I'm looking forward to sitting down the first night that comes out and cranking it up. That's for sure. <laughs> now let's let's talk about the let's talk about the Nugs issue there. The fact that they they pulled these two shows from Nugs and now they're not re-releasing both of them. I think that's kind of. 
I think it's a mistake. This is yeah, it's a disappointment for sure. At, at, well, at minimum. Th- <laughs> this is something that confronts the entertainment industry and it's a much larger discussion. We're not going to have it here, especially since we want to get to our guest this evening. But the idea of what is ownership at this point and, and iTunes has had some issues. I, I forget what it was. I bought something on iTunes years ago and by mistake, I also didn't download it. And they pulled it and they said uh, either it was a rights issue or or whatever it was. I forget off the top of my head. I think it was one of the episodes of Sherlock, the PBS show. And I went to watch it and it had been pulled and I had made the mistake of not downloading it. Well, that's and nice. I and I did email <laughs> them and and they did give me a credit. But this is a very large issue. And what. I would advise is, and what certainly I learned from my lesson there, and I think people have learned their lessons with the NUG situation with no nukes. If you are paying for a download, make sure you download it and back it up because there are major, major issues here. I don't agree that the people who bought the two no nuke shows should lose complete access to them. They should make some kind of accommodation for the people who already own it. But as I say, this is a challenge that is far larger than this one show. Ah, uh, okay. I wasn't aware of how, how often this actually does happen in, out there in the world. And I was kind of under the, maybe it was more of a hope, but maybe it was but it was the assumption that they were going to release both nights mixed by Bob Clear Mountain. But that's obviously not the case. I wonder if it's possible if they would put them back on Nugs at some point with Clear Mountain's full audio. But I guess I wouldn't bet on that. It doesn't seem likely, but let's see what they do. It it is as I say, this is a this is a major issue across the board. And again, for the people who bought it, I think they should have access to it. But I'm not the one making that determination, and uh, we're just going to have to see if if they do correct that at some point once the Sony product comes out. You know that really is the issue. And and we've said this with Broadway. There were a couple of people on BTX who were like. Broadway is going to be released by Nugs. I highly doubt that because any product that is recently released by Sony, they don't want Nugs releasing that product. And that's why I am pretty sure the no nukes was pulled from Nugs. I, I don't even know if Bruce had a choice about that. Yeah, probably probably not. And I mean, they're not going to cannibalize their own product or from the same artist on two different platforms. So and Sony in this situation, Sony is going to win every time. Yes. Well, Sony has the exclusive rights to distribute Bruce Springsteen material. They give Nugs a sub license to allow them Uh, to do the archive series. And ultimately, it's Sony's call. So, again, if you're if you're buying these shows, because this could happen to any show, as we now see. So just protect yourself and and download everything after you buy it, because that's really the only solution. There you go. I mean, you and I, you and I download all the time, so yeah, we never leave anything, in, anything on on just on 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 our nug stash. But enough about that, and let's move <laughs> on to the fun stuff. We really, really were gratified by the reaction to the first part of our interview with Steve, and tonight we're going to present the second part of that interview. And I know you had a lot of fun with it. I sure did. This was just just a blast. I mean, talking to him, hearing the stories from the guy who lived them. Yeah, that's can't ask for better. No, you can't. And we just want to remind everyone Steve's autobiography is now out. It's called Unrequited Infatuations. It's available through Backstreets. It's available through Amazon and Barnes and Noble and your local bookstores. So 
pick up a copy and check it out. And now we're going to pick back up with Flynn asking Steve about the river sessions. Well, let's let's talk about the river. Um, you were you had you did not enjoy the darkness sessions at all. Um, Get that impression? <laughs> just a little, yeah. You, just yeah, a you, little. That's you're right. not having much fun during those sessions. Um, so then the, he starts off with the recording sessions for the fifth album for the river, and you say, Bruce, I don't want to, I don't want to be in the studio for eighteen hours a day and for seven days a week. So he offers to make you producer. Yeah. And, I mean, were you really prepared to walk at, at that point? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I quit. I was like, I'll see you. I can't do it again. I cannot do this again. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, I just, I just, I, I, I knew how to produce records at that point, you know, and, uh, and, um, you know, if he didn't want me to do his, I'd go do somebody else's, you know? Okay. You know, um, cause I didn't, you know, I just didn't, uh, you know, you, you know, you weren't really, you weren't, you weren't walking away from anything that was, uh, you know, uh, essential at that point, you know, in terms of your living, you know, there was still no money, oh. you know? Um, but at that point, I, I started to feel I have potential here and I need to realize some of this potential. I, I can't just be, uh, you know, uh, keeping my mouth shut and, and uh, you know, not something I do very well anyway. You know, uh, you know what I mean? So I needed, I needed to sort of exercise my, because you know, I had done the Three Jukes albums as, as, as my production school. All three of those first three Jukes albums are very different from each other because I was trying different things. And I finally had figured it out how to do it, you know, and, and it all came together on, on the river. You know, I was able to use everything I'd learned. And, um, you know, I was very, very happy with that, you know, and, and uh, my, you know, my arranging ability and production ability really uh, was able to I was able to use it, you know. He had quite a group of songs for the river, way more that could fit on the album. Now it's well known. You do not agree with some of the final selections that made the record and some of the ones that wound up not being used and wouldn't emerge for almost 20 years on tracks. What is, Loose Ends is a song, as a fan, you listen to it and you go, oh my God, this is a colossal hit. How did that not wind up on the river? Everyone was a lost argument, you know. Um, it was actually on the very first uh, sequence, you know, which makes it even weirder. You know? <laughs> yes, it does. But, um, I, I, you know, the one thing I did learn, because the same thing was happening on Darkness, um, the one thing I learned, by, you know, among you know, many things I learned doing the book, but but... I never really analyzed what was going on back then um, during the darkness. And, uh, you know, it just was, it just was, uh, a, 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 you know, a tiresome sort of uh, existence, you know, and, and Bruce and John are just endlessly talking and, 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 and everything sounds really not very good and uh, everything's taking way too long. And I didn't, you know, 
I don't know. I just, I just didn't really tune into what was going on, you know, and, until I, I, until I did this book, and I, then I started to analyze, you know, uh, the enormous uh, change from Born to Run to Darkness, which would then affect the rest of his life, happened then, you know, and those conversations were, were, you know, quite fruitful actually, and very important. Um, so that transformation, and I and I and I, I really go into it much more than I intended in the book, because it was <laughs> such a revelation to me. You know, I was like, "Wow, I now I get it." You know, uh, the character that he had sold the public, and you know, and and your and your your first prayer, your first ambition, is to have the, your, an audience discover you and and define you. That's you know, that's your first hope in life. Because that means you you now can make, can make a living, and after two two albums of you know of nothing but trouble, and 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 now the third album, Born to Run, suddenly the people were discovering him and 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 I and and defining him, and um, and that would for anybody else would be the miracle that you hoped for, and you stick with that the rest of your life, you know that that particular identity, but he was still evolving. And um, and the character that he had become for Born to Run was something that he just could not live with the rest of his life. So he completely transformed himself on darkness. You know, as I as I say in the book, from the guy who wanted to leave town, you know, uh, we're leaving here a town full of losers. You know, we're, you know, we're getting out of town to win, whatever those words are. <laughs> Pulling out uh, of the other one. You know, to I'm staying. You know, uh, I, I, I'm actually, I'm staying. And you're going to fight. I'm going to fight. And I'm going to fight for you. And I'm, I'm going to fight for my father. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stand there. I'm, I'm not going to be afraid of my father or running away from my father. I'm going to, you know, speak for my father. And, 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 you know, and maybe in some ways be my father, you know, you know, you know hopefully a, a more, you know, a more, satisfied version of it but whatever but but you know and and that transformation and, and, and it was from urban to rural you know it was it was that it was that night and day you know you think you know you think of most of most of uh, born to run you know it's really urban you know it's really an urban an urban setting for the most part and suddenly it's all it's switched over to this rural setting you know and and, and he's you know uh, so I didn't you know, so that helped me understand why the songs were chosen for darkness. Again, with, with uh, I don't know, 25, 30 fantastic outtakes on darkness already. You know, and that, you know, those I didn't understand at all at the time, you know. Uh, don't look back, uh, you know, and uh, uh, I forget the other ones, but, you know, there was, there was many great, great, great songs. And, I, and, and now I realize why he chose the ones he chose for darkness. Now it comes to the river and okay, so he's, he's established this new identity and, uh, and that's all great, you know? But it, it's a little bit looser now because he has established this new identity. You don't have to be as extreme about it. That's why it becomes a double album. So there's sort of um, less, uh, 
less rationalization uh, for leaving off great songs at this point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know it, it, it's, it's less understandable. Uh, you know, why, uh, you know, roulette, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, where the bands are, you know, uh, take them as they come, uh, you know. Restless nights. All those lost arguments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, it's a little, so it's a little, you know, it's a little, and, and, and he would freely admit this uh, and has, uh, you know, it's a little less, it's a little less um, understandable. You know what I mean? When, when you see, well, you know, straight ahead love songs or whatever would not have fit on darkness. You know, when, when you look at you know, what he's trying to say and what he's trying to become, you know. Uh, you know, the river, you know, it's not it's not as obvious why these songs got left off. Uh, they would have fit in just fine, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit more of a, more of a, uh, an argument that, that, that was lost. But, uh, you know, that's, you know, he's got to sing them, man, you know. And if the singer doesn't feel like, you know, doesn't feel like singing them, you know, there's no argument. There's no argument there. You know, <laughs> let's uh, let's go back to go back to the studio here. And uh, born in the USA, and you make a little decision at towards the end of those sessions to to leave the band. Um, my question is, what's the alternative history if you don't leave the band? How does your life play out? How does Bruce's life play out? Well, that's the question. That's the question that I, you know, I explored a little bit. Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting scenario. Um, I, I, uh, I, you know, as I say, um, I don't know if I ever make solo records. Um, I don't know if I ever do Sopranos or Lilyhammer. Um, I don't know if I ever get into politics to the degree I, I get into it. And, um, and 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 do that entire South Africa project, and I was going to ask about that, you know, and get Mandela out of jail, you know, right. uh, and, and all and all the other things that we did, uh, um, you know, as part of that bigger movement. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I honestly do not know. I think I uh, very very hard to predict because um, at that point, your entire lifestyle would change. Cause I would have been, you know, very, very rich at that point. <laughs> okay, which, which, you know, if you're not, if you're just thinking about, you know, your typical life, um, uh, that changes things. You know, you know, you you now have an entire another lifestyle that that comes in, which doesn't mean you're not going to be productive in some way. I think I would have been productive in some way, maybe producing other people's records or something. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I would have been. But all of those things probably would not have happened. Uh, you know, and in, in Bruce's case, um, I, I, you know, as I as I say, I don't, I don't, I don't know that he could have hooked up with Patty and, and had and had his kids. You know, that's very possible that that, that uh, might not have happened. Uh, you know, among other things. Uh, you know, Nils's life, you know, would have been different. Um, Patty's life would have been different. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe would have found a way. But I don't, I, you know, if, if, if Patty's not on the road, how does that thing happen? And, and uh, 
you know, maybe it would have happened anyway. Who, who knows, you know? Yeah. But, you know, you can, you can, you know, you, you start to go through the scenario of, of what exactly would have happened. And you got to say, man, could have been a very, very different, very different outcome. You know? Very, very different world. I mean, as you said, if, if you had stayed in the band, you probably would not have done Sun City. And that that project went a long way to to eliminating apartheid and, and freeing Nelson Mandela. So, I mean, that's I think you kind of in the bigger scheme of things, you made the right decision. there. It's, it's amazing to think. But, yeah, you I, I mean, you, you look back and, you know, and you certainly wish you could have done both things. You know, <laughs> that's the bottom <laughs> line. <you know? laughs> Why couldn't I have stayed in the band and still done all these things, you know? Uh, uh, you know, it probably it probably was impossible. So so yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's, it, ain't, it ain't over till it's over. So we'll see. We'll see. That's just that's just the first book. You know, we'll see we'll see where things go. That's true. Okay. <laughs> well, and and you did such high quality work, and and you've created a body of songs. I'm a big Pearl Jam fan, and. As you know, Eddie Vedder, both with the band and on his solo tours, often does I Am a Patriot. What does it mean to you when, and that's a song that has been covered by many, many people, and it, and it really registers. So as a songwriter, what does it mean to you when a song is received like that by fellow artists? Well, it's thrilling, and it was completely unexpected, and... and um... The first, um, you know, the first uh, shock, the uh, first pleasant, pleasant surprise was Jackson Brown, uh, who's, you know, renowned as one of the great songwriters of all time, uh, deservedly so. So when, you know, Jackson Brown does one of your songs, he actually did two of them. Um, you know, I was like, whoa, you know, uh, I got to take another look at that song. <laughs> that song. <laughs> I'm doing something right there, you know. And uh, ironically, it was funny because on that album, my second album, um, the other song that got covered was Solidarity by Black Uhuru, who had a hit with it. And, uh, you know, so it ended up my, my, my reggae songs, you know, for some reason, uh, have this, you know, universal appeal, which... Uh, I don't think it's coincidental. You know, I think I think you know when I when I tend to write in those universal terms, uh, I go towards you know I go towards reggae for some reason, uh, which I feel is probably the the most universal of all of the genres of all the subgenres of rock. You know, uh, but anyway, it was a thrill, and 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 then uh, you know, and then I heard that Eddie told me. Uh, he had been doing an acoustic around the same time as Jackson. He didn't, he didn't know Jackson had done it. And uh, before, I think before he was in Pearl Jam, he was doing it. Oh, wow. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, and then, and then uh, you know, the, the acoustic version was great, but then the rock version with Pearl Jam was really, oh, you know, yeah. You know, terrific. outrageous. Yeah, yeah, so great. So that's wonderful. You know, I don't, you know, I wasn't writing songs uh, in that in that way, unless I'm writing a song for somebody, which a lot of those ended up on Soulfire. That was the whole point of the Soulfire album. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those um, you know you are writing for other people, so they're a little different. But when you're writing for yourself, it's a, it's a lot more personal, and uh, you don't expect those to be covered necessarily.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. The Soulfire album that you, that you just brought up, like that was all the songs you've written for other people over the years. And when you were when you toured behind it that was the first time you guys had toured at the disciples of soul in what it was 18 20 years 30 something like that more like 30 a long time and so was being on the road and playing the music was that the kind of the inspiration for summer of sorcery yeah oh yeah it wouldn't have happened had i not done that and 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 i didn't it was a complete surprise I, i really the entire comeback if you will i mean it's hard to come back if you were I never was, but, but you know, uh, uh, you know, my 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 recent uh, reconnection with my life's work, which was extremely valuable to me personally, uh, happened completely by accident. You know, I didn't I didn't intend to come back into music. Uh, this crazy guy in London said, you know, throw a band together and and and, and play my blues festival, and that was, uh, that was it. You know, and and then one thing led to another. And uh, before you know it, you know, uh, you know, this, this band uh, Mark Ribbler put together for me uh, showed amazing loyalty and, and stayed stayed with me for three straight years and two tours. So, with that kind of solid foundation, uh, suddenly you know, new ideas started coming to me on a Soul Fire tour. And I was like, "Wow, are you really going to make a a new album?" You know. Uh, and I decided, you know, yeah, but if I do, I, it's, it, I want to do something different, you know, than I, than I, than I did in the 80s. You know, I, I didn't not, I didn't want to make a political record and I didn't want to make an autobiographical record. And, and, and that was two things that every single one of my records were, you know, they were all concept records. They were all very personal autobiographical records and they were all very political, you know. And I said, you know, if I'm going to come back in, I want to do something different. I want to, I want to, I want to just be, you know, ten or eleven or twelve different characters, 
in different scenarios, different little movies, you know, make, make, make 12 little movies. And, uh, and um, politics at that point during the Trump years just seemed completely redundant. I mean, it was just, you know, what am I going to say? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, anyway, you know, cause you know, keeping in mind that the eighties were very, very different than all the bad stuff that was going on in the world was very hidden, very behind the scenes. It was not, in the papers every day or on CNN or, you know, MSNBC or, you know, on TV every day. And, 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 you know, and Megan wasn't going around bragging about assassinating, you know, teachers in, 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 in Latin America, you know, like which is what the Contras were doing, you know, uh, he wasn't bragging about uh, his crimes all over the world. You know, Reagan was everybody's grandfather. He's a cowboy. He's a lot of fun. Look at that guy. You know, everybody loved him, you know. Meanwhile, he was, you know, a major criminal, you know, but, 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 but nobody knew it, you know, where, you know, this guy bragging about putting kids in cages, to uh, you know, to to uh, keep immigration from 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 happening, you know. Right. So I mean, bragging, you know, what's 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 the guy bragging about kidnapping children, putting them in cages so that the parents don't come to America? Well, what am I supposed to say to that? You know what I mean? What are you gonna say? Yeah. I mean, he's saying that. The guy is saying that out loud. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you know I'm like uh, I, I have nothing to add to that. Uh, you know. Right. I so, mean, uh, you know. Well, I saw, I saw a couple of couple of shows during that period, maybe as did I, as like four or something. Um, and you actually said, you know, we're keeping the politics out. We're just going to have a good time in here. And I mean, and that's and that's what that's what the shows were. They were just they were just so much fun. Totally. Yeah, I was, try, I was trying to. I, I figured, you know, we we can't be more divided than we are right now. Let me just try and provide some common ground, you know. And, and that's what music really really is. It really is and really does best is, you know, provide that common ground for people who have maybe completely the opposite political, you know, affiliation or, or views, you know. So I really, really made, really tried, man. I really tried, you know, <laughs> up until, you know, you know, a year, a year or two ago, I, you know, I finally cracked. But, but I was really trying to, you know, I never, never said the word Trump in, in, on Twitter, you know, never, you know, for those whole, whole, you know, virtually all of those years, you know, I was trying to like really try and be cool and provide some common ground. And, uh, you know, now, now at this point, uh, you know, it's hopeless, obviously. And I realize that and I recognize it and, uh, you know, it's a war, it's a war and only, and only one side's fighting it, you know, only the bad guys are fighting this war. And, uh, so, you know, I couldn't remain sort of neutral <laughs> any longer. Yeah, but what, um, what, you, know. we, you had mentioned a few minutes ago that this was just the first book, and so now that you okay, so you finished this book. You've, this has been the, the you've done all this stuff, all this great stuff that you've written about in the book, and I know this is probably not what you want to hear, but you know, so what's next? But I always know you have you have stuff you have projects in the hopper all the time. So are we ever gonna are we ever gonna hear that Lost Boys album? Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> it's actually one of my favorites. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. But I, but I, I'm not gonna put it out till I can, till I can really promote it. You know. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, because things get lost very easily these days. So, I'm gonna. I, I want that to be its own tour. You know, its own. Its oh, own cool. Thing. So that yeah. is that why it wasn't in your rock and roll rebel box set? Yeah. 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 That's the only thing we left out. 
Um, but there are plans to, to get it out there? Uh, well, I, you know, plans these days, you know, okay. I mean, you know, forget it. Uh, you know, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, we don't know what, you know, what this virus is going to do. Uh, you know, if, 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 if Bruce decides to go out next year, which, you know, we'll see, um, then that's going to be, that's going to be two years. And, uh, you know, after that, I really would like to get back on TV. I got, you know, I got five scripts completed. I got 25 treatments. I got plenty of ideas, you know, and, and once in a while I get offers from existing shows, which, you know, I haven't really wanted to commit to for the obvious reasons. Uh, but, you know, if we, if, if we don't do the East street band, then, then, then I'll probably looking, I'll probably look to do TV immediately. Uh, but I also want to keep the disciples of soul together. That yeah. wonderful band, you know, yeah. you know, so that's another thing that now becomes a thing that, you know, we got to figure out how to do that. Um, whether that will ever tour again, um, that's going to need a, a serious patron of the arts <laughs> because uh, <laughs> really, very, very large band on stage there. Very expensive, very expensive. Um, but you know, you get what you pay for sometimes. And, uh, you know, that was, I think that was one of the best bands ever assembled. And, uh, you know, and I, and I, you know, I, I'm not going back to the bus, you know, I'm not going back to, uh, you know, the Motel 6 and, and, and the bus, uh, you know, and driving around in the station wagon, you know. I'm not, I'm not, you know those days are over for me, you know what I mean? So I'm going to talk and be, you know, at least, at a, you know, at a livable, civilized level, you know. I, I, I have to do that. It's a, it's a lifestyle for me, you know. Um, you know, I've always, I've always, uh, you know, I've been on the road most of my life, you know. And uh, so, so, you know. You want it to be uh, a pleasant experience. I, I never looked at the road, as many people do, as a uh, a, a sort of uh, um, you know a, a means a means to an end. I, I, you know, go out, cram as many shows in as you can, make as much money as you can, and then and then go live your life. I never looked at it that way ever. You know, to me, it is life. It is a lifestyle, and that's why you know I found. You know, the found, I found a way to do it these last couple of years. It's uh, extremely, uh, extremely uh, satisfying and, and functional. But just, just, by, just by playing every other day um, changes everything, you know, rather than, rather than two shows in a row. You know, to, you know once I stop doing two, two shows in a row, you suddenly the quality of life really starts to emerge, you know, where you can go, get to a town, and experience that town in any way you want to experience it, you know, uh, go out, you know, have dinner somewhere, you know, or go to museums or go to whatever you want to do, do, do the tourist thing if you want to, you know, and then the next day you play the town and then you go to the next town and do it all again. And just that simple little move, which most people don't want to do because it's a little bit more expensive rather than playing three, you know, four or five shows a week. Uh, that it gives you quality of life, uh, and you know, and I'm in it for long, obviously for the long term. So, and I wanted my band to enjoy it, you know, and not have to, you know, go from hotel to the, you know, from the hotel to the stage to, you know, and, and nothing, and see nothing, and, and live, and 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 never get a chance to live, you know. Right. So, um, really found a way to do that, and uh, so anyway. Um, if the Disciples of Soul ever gets a patron of the arts, we'll go back out for sure, and. I'll write another record, you know, who knows? Uh, but, uh, 
you know, but if not, you know, uh, I'll, I'll probably get back on TV once once uh, Bruce decides what he wants to do. Now, you mentioned the potential East Street Band tour. Of course, it'll be to promote Letter to You, which you're such an advocate of recording live in the studio. And Bruce hadn't done that in a while. And he's credited you with being the one to say to him, look, let's get the band in a room together and playing. And that's what he did on Letter to You to absolutely spectacular success. Yeah, you know, it... it, it um... It, it seems obvious. I know. I know. Um, you know, people go through a lot of changes in in life and and, and circumstance. Um, you know, when we got back together, you know, Bruce had come out of this whole solo thing, you know, and uh, it, it takes a minute to really adjust uh, to being a band guy again. You know, it's it's different. It's it's really different. And you know, once once he got it working as a solo guy, it took it took a minute, you know, I think, to adjust. And uh, and because of that time in between, you know, and I think you know we got we got back, you know, close as close as we have ever been, really. You know, we're back pretty much to normal. You know, um, uh, what I call normal. You know the. Um, um, you know, I, I and I, I just I just I just thought back to, you know, the way we used to do things on the river and born in the USA. You know, he walks in the he walks in the room with an acoustic guitar, you know, and then we all uh, do our thing. You know, I mean, the E Street Band are all so terrific; they they really produce themselves, you know, for the most part. You know, and um, you know, speaking, so but you get a chance to give input on on arrangements. You know, and I've always got arrangement ideas, even as, as good as Bruce has gotten at, at arranging and, and he's gotten to be one of the best through the years. But I still, you know, I'll still have an idea or two, you know, and and um, and so will the other guys, you know, and and uh, and so might whoever the producer is or the engineer, you know, or, 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 or John Landau or whoever's around, you know, it, it, leave, it leaves yourself open to some input. You know, rather than, you know, demoing everything at home, you know, you come in with a completed thing and then everybody replaces your parts with themselves, you know, and that's how things were done for a couple albums there, you know, in the beginning of the of the reunion, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, they, they ended up, you know, pretty good uh, in, in spite of that, you know. But that's just not, it's not, you're, getting, you're not getting 100% of what the thing is, you know? Uh, as, 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 you know, I, I can hear it clear as day on, on Letter to You, how, how you know, uh, it sounds to me, you know, like the river, you know, like Born in the USA. It has got that, it's got that vibe of, of um, you know, we, when you have a big band like we have, you know, and now it's even bigger with, with, with Nils adding another guitar, um uh you don't you don't need to overdub you know you just don't you know uh you know we had a couple you know, a couple little you know sax things or you know whatever you know a little bit of something here and there but basically when a band is you know you got three guitars you definitely don't need overdubs at that point <laughs> you know everybody you know everybody should be able to find a part that's going to be uh the part you know which we which we do and, and i mean quick you know, I mean, you know the story by now. He, you know, he booked five days, 
you know, I, I stopped the tour, you know, thinking that we're going to be on the road. I stopped the tour November of 19, right? Thinking we're going to be, you know, because Bruce told me I, I wrote a new album. So I'm like, great. Okay, I'll stop the tour in November. And then we'll have a couple of months, you know, so we can get the record out for 20, summer of 2020, right? You know, uh, and uh, so, you know, I stopped the tour when we're done and, and, and he, he books five days. I'm like, oh, that's a little weird, you know, <laughs> but, you know, maybe he just wants to try some things out, you know, see what direction he wants to go maybe. And then, you know, and then we'll start doing the record, you know. And we did the whole record in four days and had nothing to do on the fifth day. <laughs> <laughs> that must have, obviously a record, I'm assuming. I mean, like, oh, like the world record for quickest Bruce Springsteen album. I mean, we were doing a song, you know, every, every three hours we were doing a song from here's the song on acoustic to done, you know? Incredible. Uh, yeah. And the fifth day, we just literally sat around drinking tequila and listening <laughs> to what we had done. Uh, you know, so it was a little bit of a surprise, and then, you know, double surprise. Guess what? We're not we're not going to tour after all. Uh, you know, but um, but it was a wonderful it was wonderful to go back. You know, I mean, look look at how long how long. Uh, what is that? Forty years in between. Jeez. Almost, yeah. Probably yeah. the last time the Street Band recorded live in the studio was eighty two, eighty three, right? right? Well, great assists, but. Oh, right, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if we want to count that year. Oh, yeah, that was like a song or two, right? What was yeah. that? Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. four songs. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> I wouldn't count that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the first time since, yeah, like 82, I guess, with you, right? You know, it's hard to believe, right? Yeah. Hard to believe. But, but you know, it's like <laughs> riding a bicycle with this band. You know, bam! Everybody just does the right thing. They just they just do the right parts, you know. And and Charlie, you know, Charlie had a, you know Charlie was really uh, you know uh, the trickiest the trickiest I think part of it all was was Charlie's uh, uh, adjustment because um, Danny uh, just completely one of a kind. Nobody uh, ever has played the way Danny plays. And he's kind of, a, you know, an essential element in that E Street mix, you know, of, of, of why it sounds the way it sounds, you know. And so I, I just remember telling, you know, poor Charlie, you know, uh, you know, I mean, you can imagine the poor guy in, in that position, you know, uh, and, and, and he's just terrific. I mean, really terrific. He's one of the great session guys, you know. And at first he's kind of, you know, playing it like a great session guy, you know, and Danny, not a great session guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, you know, and I said to Charlie, I said, Charlie, you know, I tell you the truth, what, you know, what you, what you need to do right now is, is drink some of that tequila now. Before the <laughs> Get them nice and loose. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta just loosen up a little bit. And think a little bit different, a, a little bit different than your normal, than the normal thing, you know, way you would think, you know, uh, because Danny's always playing, and you know, Danny never knew the chords of any song. You know that, right? Yeah, he didn't. I know he didn't. He never played the same thing twice. No, 
But he, if you ask him what the chords of Born to Run are, he, he doesn't know. You know, he, we wouldn't know. Uh, you know, he just plays by pure instinct. And, and, and you know, it's kind of, you know, <laughs> it's, it's wild. I mean, honestly, to, to witness it, as I did for all those years, you know, you're like, how's he doing this? You know, uh, you know, so it's just, it was just, you know, so, you know, and, and, and Charlie, I think, you know, uh, he did, he did adjust, he, he did adjust a little bit, you know, so, so, so that, you know, it, it was, uh, I think he, he started to get it after a while, you know, he's like, cause we're not, we're not, we're not super strict, you know, about, about what people are playing exactly. You know what I mean? Everybody's kind of adding their own identity to what they play. And, uh, you know, at this point, it's just, it's always the right thing. You know, it just, it's just right. Uh, you know, we might fool around with the arrangement. You know, we did, we did some, you know, uh, but in the end, uh, Charlie did a terrific job because, uh, yeah, that poor guy, what a position to be in, you know? Uh, you know, because, you know, Jake Jake knew what he had to do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Mills would have been maybe a third guitar part that we would have done anyway. You know, it's nice to have whatever. It might be it might be the acoustic part or it might be whatever. You know, Nils did some nice uh, model stuff and, uh, you know, Nils is just, uh, you know. So, so, you know, a third guitar part, you know, that's not that's not too difficult to, you know, to figure out, you know, and even Jake, you know, uh, you know, that we knew what that had to be, you know, you know, in that ballpark, you know, Charlie had, Charlie had the biggest challenge and, and he just really rose to the occasion and did a terrific job. Okay. One of the things about Letter to You is that it's very emotional. What was it like being in the studio? The songs were also very personal to Bruce, but also as he does, they're universal to the audience. I'll see you in my dreams. Uh, what did you think when you first heard that song and just the power of, of remembering the people who have been lost? And, and of course, you guys have lost, as you just mentioned, Danny and Clarence and, well, and Terry McGovern. Yeah. And Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was an extremely emotional uh, album because, you know, it's half about the Castiles and half about us. You know, you know what I mean? It, it's it's a it's the first time you ever really wrote specifically, uh, pr- pretty much. You know, I guess you know something like where the bands are is, is in that ballpark, I guess. But but uh, uh, it's the first time you wrote about his job. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna write about my I'm gonna write about my job today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and it's, it's not factory. You know, it's not. You know, <laughs> it's you know. It's a different, different, uh, it's a different job than the factory song. Um, so it was, it was, it was very emotional. And um, I'll tell you one thing about that song: it really, really uh, changed the Broadway show. Uh, you know, I don't know if you got a chance to see that. Uh, we have, you know, but en- ending with that, right? Yeah, yeah, very um, powerful. That that was like, you know. Uh, it, it was like it was it was written for that for that moment you know what i mean more even more than the album you know i thought wow did that that just completely completed you know the the broadway show in, in such a definitive way you know it, it 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 retroactively gave the entire show a theme mm-hmm. you know which, which you know which was already there but but you know he's doing it it's kind of an episodic 
you know, the way the way he, the way he's doing it is kind of episodic. So, a, a, you know, a, a theme, you know, is not quite as obvious. But that that thing just gave the whole thing completely, uh, you know, brought, brought the whole show together for me. I thought, wow, you know. But uh, yeah, it was it was a terrific. Uh, Terrific album, as you know. It's the first time, you know. You know, I, I that's how I do my records. I, I don't, I know exactly what I want to say uh, and and do before I write the records, you know. Um, and sometimes I'll have the titles already in place, and uh, and uh, you know everything I've ever done has been a concept. And I so I oh I always start with an idea. I, I you know I can't even begin writing without an idea. And uh, oh, the cute doggy. Uh, Thank you, uh, Cali. Uh, <laughs> I like the black stairs. Nice, nice. Yeah, she, she uh, she's fifteen, has arthritis, so she needs she needs help. Uh, uh, we have the same thing here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but um, so so you know, that was the first time, first time that Bruce really did, you know, um, you know, knew exactly what he wanted to do and say, you know, beforehand. And it sure does make the process more efficient. <laughs> Seems like it, yeah. I'll tell you that. It goes from like eight months to four days. Yeah. Well, if you, if, you, if you guys can do it that quickly, do it again. Maybe that well, that's it. But, but you got to have the, you gotta have yeah, the have, idea first. Right. You know what I mean? You got to have the concept or else, you know, he'll just, he'll write until, until he feels, you know, he has something he wants to say. You know, until he finds the concept, you know, which, you know, obviously that works too, but uh, it just, you know, takes a bit longer. I mean, this one, I was like, man, I wish, it, I wish this would have went on longer. You know, I wish we had more songs to do, you know, it was like so much fun. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have minded doing that for a couple months, you know, oh, wow. it would have been fun. You know, So Bruce could have pulled out more demos from 72, like if I was a priest and songs for Let's orphans. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, let's, you know. Let's think God knows what he's got on the shelf, you know. He's always, he's got, he's always got he's always got album, an album in his pocket all, all the time. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, that's your legendary line from from the greatest hits documentary. He always has half an album in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 probably conservative. He probably probably has two or three albums in his pocket. Oh gosh. Oh boy. We're we're like uh, we want to hear about those. No. Just <laughs> no. Uh, well, you've been so generous with your time and, and this has been so incredible for us. Very much Truly, so, yes. uh, we, we don't want to keep you any longer, but ser- seriously, we really deeply thank you for taking the time to talk to us. We love the book, Unrequited Infatuations. Everyone listening should pick up a copy. It really, oh, yeah. it, it tells the truth. It, it tells the truth of the, the story of what Steve has been through, what some of the things that have happened with the E Street Band, also many of your other projects. So it's, it's just a great read and, and we highly recommend it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Steve, for, for joining us today. Thank you, boys, for your kind words. And uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Once again, that was little Steven Van Zant author of Unrequited Infatuations, his new autobiography. Check it out. And (laughs) I don't want to be repetitious, but good God, was that amazing. (laughs) 
yeah, he has such a unique way of, of telling stories and it's, it's in the, it's in the book. I mean, his voice is telling the stories in the book. It's so great. And to talk, to ask him more questions about what's in the book was just, I mean, just, just phenomenal. I'm, you know, smiling yeah. ear to ear. <laughs> oh my God. It was really, I mean, talking to Steve about the selections of the songs on the river. I mean, come on. It's just like, and he was so open and it's just amazing. Anyway, we won't go on with that, but we really do thank Steve again. We thank Rich Russo for helping us set that up. And Steve has an open invitation. Come back anytime. <laughs> yes. Yes, we love to talk to him again at some point. I mean, we talked to him for an hour and 40 minutes. We never even got to the to the Sopranos or Lilyhammer. No, and we wanted to, but yes. <laughs> you only have so much time. And he was telling amazing stories. And that was the way it worked out. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We haven't figured out the topic yet. It's going to be the first time we're doing a topic show in a while because <laughs> we, ha- we ended the last season with the guys from Backstreets and now we've had Steve. We're working on hopefully maybe some other guests in the future. But in the meantime, we are going to go back to doing topics just of a, discussion. Just us. Just us. Yes. <laughs> So hopefully Hope that's that'll enough. be enough. Yes. And with that, let's bring it to a conclusion. None but the brave is a presentation of bull market entertainment and a part of evergreen podcast. You can find us on the web at none, but the brave podcast.com on Twitter at MBTB podcast. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Phil McClain saying thanks again to, to little Steven for joining us and we'll see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like Chicago's. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.